0: Thank <laughs> you.
1: It honestly was kinda of cringe when I did that right there, wasn't it? It really was. My Ugh. bad. I guess I I guess I'm just a cringe guy.
2: You're a very cringe guy. I would say that's your gimmick, Denny. It's what I associate you with is a lot of cringiness. But I actually honestly associate you more with horror movies. Guess what we're done with? Finally.
1: Spooky season! Man, did I just get ambush intro Kind of, yeah. <laughs> the newest tradition on Movies for Win?
2: Hell yeah. I'm, I'll, I'll carry that as much as I can. It just involves a lot of deleting random bullshit leading up to it though, so... <laughs> Might be a one and done.
1: It's literally just subtracting the step where we go, Okay, okay, but let's get started. Do you have any intro ideas? And the answer is always
2: (laughs) the answer is always no. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So,
1: so why not just start it wherever? If you ask me,
2: and here, (laughs) maybe I don't know. Anyways, Denny, we're done with spooky season. We've completed it. We've even completed the uh, the appendix to it. Yes, appendices. We're done.
1: When you, When you podcast with me, it lasts about two and a half months, Greg, but we did it. <laughs>
2: yeah, I understand completely and hey i'm I'm not really complaining. I had a great time with all of it and even the hangover segment. so welcome back to movies for when everybody. This is going to be our return into normal themes.
1: <laughs> oh, jazz. Like... Are you tired of doing esoteric Denny-centric episodes, and you just want something that's a little outside his wheelhouse for a palate cleanser? <laughs> Wrong week to listen to movies for men. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Jokes on you! This is just a Denny episode. I'm here to I'm here to push the ship off the dock. Denny's going to steer the thing.
1: This was Greg's idea for the record. He pitched this. Um, this is not me t- taking over the podcast theming for the record. I'm I'm aware that it's been a little biased. <laughs> we haven't done a lot of Best Picture nominees lately, and I'm aware of that. <laughs> mm. But this one almost was one. Probably would have been
2: one. Probably should have been. Yeah. Uh, we'll get prob- into
1: that in a minute. I know why it wasn't.
2: Uh-oh. Alright, I'm 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 excited to hear about it. Good teaser. Yeah, this is uh, our theme that we have done once before. It was only a one-time thing. I think it's been about a year. Yeah, we did it immediately after last uh, spooky season. How about that? So it's been yeah. right at a year. So this is Movies for When You Have to Gush About Your Favorite Movie. This time, it's Denny's turn. We did yeah. mine already. It's time for Denny's. Yeah! Danny, what's the favorite movie of yours that we're going to be gushing about?
1: We're going to be gushing over my favorite wrestling movie, because we've already covered my favorite horror movies, um, and my favorite dramas. <laughs> and oh, God. We really do get around to a lot of my shit, don't we, Greg? My bad.
2: <laughs> no, that's fine. I I enjoy talking about those things with you. I like talking about things you like, because I usually, usually, end up liking them. In this hey. case, I really did end up liking it again, yes. so... Last week we had a little bit of a sports segment, so this is going to be our sports entertainment episode. Oh,
1: yeah, baby. I'm excited. Yeah, baby.
2: Before we get into The Wrestler, let's talk about all the other stuff we watched. I have one thing, and that's all that's all I had time to watch. We had a little reduced schedule, so I texted you about it. And I realized that you were not in the mood for this. You're like, what should we watch? This funny movie? This funny movie? This funny movie? And I was like, Denny, David Fincher released a new movie on Netflix (laughs) called The Killer. But maybe you're not in the mood for that right now. (laughs) My suggestions
1: Uh, to you were... uh... Rat Race, The Big Lebowski, and Into the Spider-Verse. It was very clear we were looking for something light. And, like,
2: (laughs) pop star never stopped, Mm -mm -mm. never stopping. I was like, I'll let him know it's there, but I'm not going to honestly expect him to pick it. But (laughs) we watched it.
1: It was pretty good. I've been considering watching it. I kind of wanted to hear your take.
2: It's definitely worth a watch. I wish we had gone to see this one in theaters. We just haven't been able to get to the theater lately. Uh, other stuff has been kind of preventing us from really like leaving lately. So it had like a week long run in theaters before hitting Netflix. I think it's a pretty good movie. It's probably like a C tier Fincher movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd probably put it like below seven but above the game. I don't know if you've seen either of those.
1: Haven't heard of the game. I thought seven, I do, I have seen seven. Um, I thought it was like. A seven out of ten. I, I wasn't tracking. It's really confusing when you just name your movie a number
2: <laughs> and put a number in the title. That's right. That's the thing, right? Yeah. Edgy man. This is the '90s. We can do these kinds of things. Uh, but yeah, the game is good. Michael Douglas. It's, it's a good time. Yeah. Well, it, it's it's fine. I, it's very clean. It's very methodical. Michael Fassbender is awesome in it. And, and you know, of course, as with all recent Fincher movies. Soundtrack and everything involving sound kicks ass. I've been listening to the soundtrack. Uh, they they released it on streaming services and everything, and it's been a really cool listen. Mm-hmm. I, I I enjoyed the movie. Um, I've seen kind of some up and down reviews on it, but I think it's definitely worth watching. Cool. It's I I like this kind of era of big name directors just releasing stuff on streaming platforms. Between, like, Fincher and Scorsese, just kind of yeah. putting their massive projects onto streaming platforms after, like, a short run in theaters. I, I kind of like that.
1: Pretty dope shit, yeah.
2: It remains interesting, to say the least, but I would rather see stuff in theaters, but...
1: Well, I, was, I kept seeing yeah. all these ads everywhere for, like, The Killer on Netflix, and I was like, oh, cool. And David Fincher, you know, like mm-hmm. <laughs> like, really caught me off guard that, like what seemed like an almost generic Netflix movie. I don't know anything about it other than it's called The Killer. It's on Netflix and David Fincher made it and apparently better than the game. Worse than seven. Um, That's that's all.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Those are the things you've heard and two thirds of your knowledge about it has happened in the last five minutes.
1: Yes, you
2: said you said it was better than the game. I was like, no, no, Denny, it's based on a graphic novel, not a video game. Oh, right. Okay, you're referring to my thing from a second ago,
1: right? That that was that was almost reminiscent of the confusion around seven as a ranking uh, system, a movie title, or just a and numeral, a squirrel an integer, a yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: qualitative value. No, it's a movie. Uh, um, it, it is based off a graphic novel that I do have, but I wanted to watch the movie first. I kind of like movies based on books. I like watching the movie first, and it's interesting. Like fincher especially with like gone girl which fucking rips by the way he has such a good way of visualizing a book as he reads it and then putting what he has in his mind as he reads it onto the screen it's like
1: imagine if he did harry potter
2: imagine if he did harry (laughs) potter no thanks daniel radcliffe would have stormed out of there
1: no david fincher directs harry potter starring daniel radcliffe now that's what i want to fucking see
2: (laughs) Just flicking cigarettes all over Hogwarts. (laughs) Hell yeah. Ron's good at hacking computers. Or whatever. Yeah. Watch The Killer. It's a good time. I'll read the graphic novel. Hopefully, this week. I've been telling myself that for a while. Hopefully, I'll have an update for you uh, by then. But that's all I watched. Go Netflix. Cool. I I guess they raised their prices again, so whatever. Did they really? Yeah. Buy a dollar.
1: I. But, but when does it end? It's easy to say just a dollar, but where does it? God, I hate, I hate streaming now. It's over, Greg. Streaming being fun is over. We lost. Yeah, it was. We lost again. We lost years ago, brother. I don't know what to tell you. Now that like now they're just pissing on its grave, like, <laughs> like the fact that I fucking couldn't get this movie on Amazon Prime like a fucking American the way uh-huh. God intended. Had to fucking log into my whoa, whoa, whoa. Apple ID. Sorry, what I've been watching. Um, yeah, yeah, we'll get in. We'll get into the wrestler soon because
2: there are plenty of bone to pick with that movie when it comes to how stream, where stream. But what else, What did you watch?
1: Um, I did two shows that I'll get first. Um, I started uh, season two of Our Flag Means Death. Um, so far, I find it a very solid uh, follow-up. Um, it's not quite as magical as season one was, um but I'll give anybody a little bit of a sophomore slump, and I wouldn't even call it that. It's just not like holy fuck, this is amazing, like season One felt to me mm-hmm. um, maybe maybe it was more enthralling when the pirates weren't openly gay, you know like when i when there was like that will they won't they um now that now that the cards are on the table it doesn't hit the same perhaps i still enjoy it though um
2: you heard it here first denny hates gay pirates
1: no i love closeted gay pirates that is an oversimplification so you want them to
2: be oppressed hmm
1: i don't want them to be oppressed but i do find their love stories more interesting when they're closeted so okay well, it, I, don't, I don't care. By the way, if yeah. we're talking about reality, I'm pretty sure all pirates did some gay stuff, and we just don't talk about brother sex, okay? It's,
2: <laughs> it's, I think I told you this the other day too. It's what we do with all of history. Like they were just very, very close friends that lived together that also happened to never get married to anybody. That's it.
1: Man, just kinda... two
2: women living together, just being best friends. That's all they were.
1: (laughs) What's that rainbow flag mean? It means death. uh, That's what they get. Our flag means death. Um, uh, But I'm I'm enjoying it. I'll definitely keep watching. Uh, Something I wish I could keep watching, but they're making me wait one week for a whole fucking episode. Every week. Like monsters. What is this? Cable? What what year is it? Am I watching The Office in 2006 again? What the fuck is this? Ouch. Um, I know, I deserve that. <laughs> but I watched uh, The Curse, starring Nathan Fielder and Emma Stone.
2: Yeah, I want to watch that so bad. How Brother, is it? How many episodes are out? One. One
1: hour long oh, shoot. episode. <laughs> okay. um, I believe Friday is the drop day. I'm pretty sure uh, if it's okay. not. It's one of those days near the end of the (laughs) week. It's not Friday, it's one of them, I'll tell you that much. One Um, of those
2: days, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. um, Just when you think you can't say this about a Nathan Fielder project anymore, brother, it's like nothing you've ever seen. (laughs) Okay. okay. (laughs) Like, and uh, you will be made deeply uncomfortable. Um, And... It's phenomenal and brilliant. And uh, unlike his other stuff, it is uh, completely performed. Like, he's playing a character. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone is playing a character. Um, but it also is shot in a way that feels very real. You know? Like, so yeah. you kind of, like, forget while you're watching it. And I don't mean it feels re- Like, it's not shot like a mockumentary. Like, it's not the fucking Office or uh, Modern Family. You know? Like... Um, it it's not shot like someone's trying to make it look like it was a real documentary. Is what does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, it yeah. Does.
1: It just it just looks like a real documentary. Is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it's it's just very you... organic and like definitely. Well, and like there's on screen cameras, so like they perform some things for the cameras that we do acknowledge. You know, like and um and you see his face and you just
2: kind of assume there's some sort of like element of reality to what you're watching.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, like, everything he does, um, it's clearly, you know, creating a dialogue about, like, what is performed publicly and what is done privately. And what... Yeah. And how people change when they're being watched and they know they're being watched. You know, like, that's, you, that's... There's some element of that in, like, everything he does. And this definitely continues to explore it. You know, it's a Nathan uh-huh. Fielder project for a reason. Um, so far, I am... I'm on board, man. I'm, I'm going to watch every episode of this. That's how good the first episode was. I was down.
2: That's something I think about a lot is just like who you are when you know you're either being like watched or recorded, mm-hmm. like when those cameras or microphones on or whoever. Like people just are different and you can say you're not, but there's always just like something in your head that like doesn't allow you to put on your normal relaxed self,
1: I guess. When mm-hmm. the
2: cameras are rolling or stuff is recording. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I. Stuff like his explores it in such an interesting way. Not necessarily, like, pointing it out, but it's just something else that I do think about while watching his stuff. Yeah. It's just, like, if it was just these two guys talking about the fact that, you know, his education educational situation is a fraud, like... <laughs> He'd be saying it a little bit differently, but since he knows there's cameras on him, he kind of, and he's not used to it, he kind of acts differently.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's a different show. Yeah, um, and you know, if you're wondering, would this work on me? Would I be this weird if Nathan pulled this prank on me? The answer is probably so, right? Like, mm-hmm. every single one of us likes to be like, ha <laughs> look at the fool. And uh, I think Nathan is trying to tell us, they're not a fool i'm evil i'm tricking them i'm embarrassing them (laughs) you know like i'm bad and Mm -hmm. um this show definitely has kind of that that tone of the rehearsal where it seems like and with nathan you never know what's real i called him by his first name like i know him. yeah your buddy um, your pal nate sure yeah um you never know what's real but it seems like he wants us to think that the real nathan fielder feels the need to atone for some things it seems like that in the rehearsal and it definitely seems like that in this show um and uh i will say i watched it with my wife and two other people and for like two or three days after it we were all checking in with each other and just being like hey were you thinking about that one scene when you were trying to sleep last night yep 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 hey you am still <laughs> thinking about that one scene today can't get it out of my head, man. Yeah, I'm still thinking about it. Oh um, so gosh. I want to say you'll know which scene it is when you see it, but I'm not sure that you will. And that's what Ooh. you're walking into. <laughs> okay.
2: Drumming my fingers together like Mr. Burns. Ooh. Um, Tantalizing.
1: So there's your Nathan Fielder plug and puff piece for the week. Um, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll move quickly through my other ones. I watched A Bug's Life, which I don't think I'd seen since childhood. Um, it's not a bad Pixar movie, but I definitely don't think it's a strong follow-up to Toy Story. Uh, there's, plenty mm. to, there's plenty to love about it, um, but it's one of the few Pixars where I really think the animation looks like really dated. And I almost wondered uh, if they rushed to get it out on a timetable, because it, like... Parts of it look unfinished, and I'm like, I know you made Toy Story before this, so you could definitely do better. You know, like mm-hmm. what, what? It, the, no way you were lazy. I'll bet you got rushed. You know, um, so I don't know. I didn't love it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was alright. It was alright. I rewatched it
2: semi recently, and I found, kind of felt the same way. It yeah. didn't hold up as much as I would have liked for it to. And that's you know, okay.
1: Yeah, it's fine. I I I just realized there's a reason that i've seen wally a bunch of times and i kind of left this one in the theaters you know like <laughs> um so um yeah uh, and you know what fact really feels like it shouldn't be true because of that movie hmm. dennis leary is not a pixar movie <laughs> that doesn't seem real right yeah, like if, right if you, told me to, like, if you told me that was true and I hadn't just watched A Bug's Life, I would have been like, oh, fuck you. They would never cast Dennis Leary. But then again, he was in fucking Ice Age around this time. Who was trying to make Dennis Leary endearing to children?
2: Uh, great question.
1: I don't know. He's
2: don't... in all the Ice Ages, yeah.
1: What the fuck? Man, that guy got rich. Hey, <laughs> um... yeah, good for him. In the uh, in the movie night that uh, we asked for Greg's opinion on, before Greg responded, we uh, did decide on a movie and didn't end up needing his vote. Um, Vanessa and I both wanted to watch Rat Race. Um, it was uh, one of the first PG-13 movies I was allowed to see in theaters, so it has a special place in my heart. Um, mm-hmm. It was either that or Dude's, Dude, Where's My Car? Those were like the two... Like, I'm a big boy, I get to go to this now. Um, that
2: is of an era, for sure. <laughs>
1: yes. Um, Rat Race held up surprisingly well, for what it's worth. Um, okay, interesting. Well, and I think it's because, like, when I was a kid, a lot of movies that I watched I thought were, like, objectively good, you know? like And they were, like, fucking horrible, but I was a kid and I would have thought anything with bright colors was good, you know? like Yeah, but, exactly. Yeah. Um, this one, I always understood that it was like a really goofy, really silly movie. You know, like I never thought it was like. Uh, I'm trying to think of an example from that time. Like the day after tomorrow, I I thought I saw that in middle school like five times in theaters and thought it would be like a really well remembered movie. It's not. <laughs> um, but I always, uh, I always uh, understood that uh, that this was just silly, and I thought for the most part the humor was just still silly and goofy and in that sense aged pretty well if you like silly and goofy movies if you don't you never would have liked this and it doesn't pretend to be anything else so uh the the marketing algorithm really fucked up on you if you're not a silly person but <laughs> 2001's rat race found its way to you um so that was fun um i watched uh five nights at freddy's um okay in theaters on peacock current events podcast
2: yeah oh, hell yeah look at you watching your video game based media hell yeah way to go <laughs> how, how, how was it
1: um well i was interested in this movie because i've seen willie's wonderland and i've seen the banana splits movies or a movie, mm-hmm. which are both rip-offs of the Five Nights at Freddy's game, right? Um, yeah. It's just stealing that idea that clearly has a massive amount of fan appeal. Um, yeah, and uh, <laughs> Willy's Wonderland, not very good. Banana Splits movie, even worse. Um, <laughs> so I was fascinated because I was like, it's not a complex concept and it's been proven to work. How did you fuck it up twice? You know, like, it's not this, like, intricate universe world building has to be just right. You know, like it's very straightforward and what, what people like about it and what's interesting. How did two people fuck up ripping it off? And could the original producers of the concept rally and make it work? Could they pull it off better? Um, no, they couldn't. It oh, really sucked. It was okay. a really bad movie. Um, <laughs> horrible, horrible. Um, I will say, for about, like, I was kind of here for it for, like, the first little less than half. Um, mm-hmm. And then, like, spoilers for Five Nights at Freddy's. Does anyone care? Oh, my fucking God. How could you possibly spoil? Greg just took his headphones off. Um, I'm assuming that this is part of, do you really not want it spoiled? I don't care. Just take your headphones off. I'm gonna edit this podcast, I will hear it Oh, okay Yeah, go um, ahead This isn't like a, a huge plot spoiler um, I'm even assuming that it must be part of the games Because if it's not, I don't know why the fuck you would have done this Like, this is, I've never played any of the games I went into this very cold, just having a basic concept of like what Five Nights at Freddy's is And understanding that like, not all of it will be for me, right? Like, This there's, is a hell
2: of a teaser Yeah,
1: um so there's a scene halfway through where like this creepy little kid Carnal Horrelson by the Carnal Hor-son, by the way creepy mm-hmm. little kids the mm-hmm. last time it worked was the ring if you're not if you're a movie younger than the ring stop um, <laughs> but she's she's doing what the kid does in the ring and drawing all these pictures of the monsters and then we think they're about to eat her but they're actually friends with her And, Uh, for a while, her and a couple other characters just go to Freddy's and just, like, hang out with them. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if that's part of the game. If it is, I assume it works in the game, because it's a very popular game. I can only tell you that that did not work cinematically, and a thousand percent killed my fucking interest in the movie if, like the middle of halloween laurie strode just has michael myers over for a sandwich and they watch tv (laughs) together and she plays a little (laughs) piano and then he goes back to trying to kill her later like what the fuck is that (laughs) like um so basically after that point the movie just goes off the rails to the point where you're like everything they do you're just like people don't react that way that's not how like A person would respond to the stimulus. Mm -hmm. What the fuck did you write? Like, what is? And um, I didn't like the movie. I didn't like Five Nights at Freddy's. Sure sounds (laughs) trying to be brief.
2: (laughs) Sure sounds that way, brother. Well, sorry you had a bad time on the old Peacock streaming app. Uh, Another miss from our pals at Peacock. I always
1: do, Greg. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Don't we all? And finally this one actually will be brief because uh we have like a whole episode over, over this very very early in our show and the first time I watched it since You then.
2: watched Nomadland. God.
1: No, but I did see it mentioned in a thread of forgettable best picture winners today and I was like I haven't thought about Nomadland in a while. Um, sure would
2: like to keep it that way anyways yeah. back to green book uh the,
1: the only way i remembered it is because it was they brought up how forgettable it was and <laughs> green book was also mentioned in the thread um, i know it was yeah um so anyway i i watched uh the last action hero um <laughs> nice i've been revisiting a lot of like big ones lately you know i i I tend to watch real niche movies that i haven't seen before and i've just kind of had a wild hair to like revisit some favorites and i like the last action hero more every time i see it it's such a great movie such a smart movie um seems like seems like something that would come out like a year ago or now um or would come out in that sweet spot of, like, early Rick and Morty where, like, the general audience understood meta, but Jesus fucking Christ, we could still not do it sometimes. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. So, anyway, that is my, what I've been watching lately segment.
2: No, I like that. It's You've been on a real deep dive of, like, a niche within a niche. <laughs> with your, like, Giallo exploration oh. and everything. Your Argento <laughs> movies. I've, well, the,
1: the thing I forgot to say I watched, because it's not a movie.
2: Oh my god. I yeah, you mentioned this.
1: I watched Into the Third Dimension starring Vincent Price explaining how to use a 3D camera that came out in 1993. Uh I don't want to go too far into it cuz it's about 12 minutes long, uh but um I will simply say that it overdelivered and there was <laughs> the inherent celebrity, or inherent uh insanity or hilarity of uh they apparently have a very sophisticated 3D camera, um, but I'm watching this on a VHS. So still photography technology has progressed very far past video technology at this time, right? Mm-hmm. And so they can't they can't show you how good the camera is. So they just keep describing how clear it is because if they actually <laughs> if they actually showed the picture, it would look blurry as fuck because it's on a videotape (laughs) trust (laughs) me
2: you gotta see it in person it looks great that's
1: essentially what they just keep saying for the whole video they just keep telling you how great it looks and they never they never show you (laughs) and vincent price is like three years away from his death we looked it up like he is old as fuck and let me tell you brother showed up with his goddamn working boots on like the professional and the legend he is like he was hmm. clearly reading the script, and every so often I'd be like, that was actually funny. He improvised that line. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. he was, like... He was in he his was, bag there. Yeah. He was giving a fuck about what he was doing that day. He, would, he was, like, nice. clearly circling the drain, and, you know, like... Uh, I would assume either I had a deep love of performance or really needed the money, or uh, why Why not both? Um, sorry, I, I lied and said I was done and that I was gonna be brief. I'm sorry.
2: Well, Denny, speaking of older legends that are circling the drain, do need a little bit of money, but still love the craft, are you ready to get into The Wrestler? Damn.
1: Brother, I I hope that you're still making segues like that when you're close to death because you clearly love the game. That was clean. That was a clean segue. What
2: can I say? I'm the best. I try not to ram in like a little quick transition there, but uh, we'll get on The Wrestler now, which, by the way, folks, is a 2008 film that you can watch, and we teased this earlier, wherever the fuck you can find it just buy the dvd honestly find a blu-ray find a dvd whatever uh i think denny and i both did this as a youtube rental that I, I sucks. rented it on uh, apple tv yeah yours was apple you can't rent it on amazon which what is the where fuck is that kind of our like ultimate backup kind of spot is amazon rentals but youtube rentals <sighs> i guess it's, they it's exist degrading.
1: it's degrading to rent something on youtube
2: I used to watch movies on YouTube. Yeah. The Wild West days of the internet when you could just... Don't insult me. You could just upload the entirety of the series Band of Brothers and (laughs) watch it in 240p. But damn it, I'm watching it.
1: I'm just laughing because this is... I'm realizing that this is exactly how my dad responded when the damn government told him he had to wear a seatbelt. They didn't used to have damn seatbelts when he was learning to drive. (laughs) Mm. That's... (sighs) <sighs> yeah that's you're us. telling me i got <laughs> if, if anyone younger than like 28 actually listened to this podcast they'd be like these fucking old just rent it on youtube shut the fuck up like that's that's what like anyone outside our age demographic would absolutely be saying right now or
2: they would just like rip it or torrent it from some site or whatever
1: yeah they'd be yeah. like people pay for movies <laughs> yeah <exactly>. <laughs> idiots <laughs> They haven't been able to watch free movies since YouTube didn't have rules. Poor
2: I watched schmucks. five. <laughs> I watched Five Nights at Freddy's in seventy-three parts on the TikTok feed. <laughs> 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 the way the director intended, the way the art was meant to be consumed. So yeah, the wrestler folks. Um, uh, i guess we got get to get into it, Denny. I'm going to start things off with our critic review of the week. I'm really excited about this one, because uh, I gotta have to push the microphone away from me a little bit. Because this review is in ALL CAPS. This user gave it a 92 out of 100 and said, Mickey Rourke performance was remarkable! Depressing movie, but a great story! I thought it to be like a documentary in the life of Randy, The Ram, Robertson,
1: Rourke a wrestler once at the top but now is trying to get back also Marissa Tomei is still hot was that Tim Robinson's account?
2: (laughs) Tim the Ram Robinson, it could have been
1: has this ever happened to you?
2: (laughs) a joke wrestling Matt that's just for farts
1: Uh, (laughs) you're not part of the tag team until you're part of the tag team walk slowly (laughs)
2: Oh hell yeah, man! All right, um, this is your pick. Of course, this is uh, Denny's favorite movie that we're going to be gushing about. I'll let you give a little one of my favorite movies. One of your favorite movies. It's It's... my
1: favorite wrestling movie. This this is not my equivalent of your No Country for Old Men. I want to be clear
2: about. Well, you kept you prematurely shot your wad on those other ones though. So we gotta we gotta get to it now in in one of these episodes. We only have so many favorite movies. It makes sense, so I'll let you summarize this one because it's one you brought to the table.
1: Sure. Um, Randy the Ram Robinson uh, was a mega wrestling star in the 80s um, when the world was just a little bit different for a wrestling man. Um, And uh, you could be making towns and hitting the territories and banging rats in and out all night. Um, You're doing it every day, party on cocaine and steroids what a life um so Mm -hmm. um but those days are long gone for randy the ram he now lives in a trailer that he can't even afford so he's a part-time van resident um he's working uh, he's working at the uh very small independent shows um which by the way very accurate the indie scene was very depressing in the 2000s um it was not a cool place um it was it was it was rough uh not that anyone asked um but anyway um he's doing uh he's doing these bummer matches and he seems to be a pretty dysfunctional person and his daughter doesn't want to talk to him and he's always going to strip clubs and talking to strippers and stuff it's just
2: the one strip club actually
1: he's always going to strip club and talking to stripper i stand corrected Um, so um Long story short, he does like a death match and it becomes close to a literal death match when he has a heart attack afterwards and is told he can't wrestle anymore. Um so he tries to move on from wrestling, um tries to maybe repair his relationship with his daughter, uh maybe get some sort of intimacy with Marissa Tomei's character, um invest in his job, kind of connect to his workplace and have a life after wrestling, uh but uh, long story short it seems he's very incapable of that and even though he knows it will probably cost him his life he goes out there with his arch rival the ayatollah to hit the ram jam one more time and then we cut to credits
2: i do like when you say long story short which is completely ineffective when your long story is not shortened
1: Excuse me. that was a story, for the <laughs> story. That was that was the whole. Oh, second, okay. That was the whole second act. I glossed over.
2: <laughs> second act summarized. Yeah. Okay. I get. It. I guess that makes a lot more sense. Well, hell yeah, man. What's your uh, relationship with the wrestler?
1: Um. So, I obviously saw this in theaters, um, and it. You gotta understand this, like wrestling. Has kind of redeemed itself in the eye of the public in the last five to ten years, like I feel like no one <clears throat> no one really shames me for liking wrestling anymore like they did for most of my life uh-huh. um, and so like whenever you saw um, whenever you saw this covered um, or whenever you saw wrestling in media. It was first of all like extremely negative you know like it was extremely critical and was like this is the stupidest thing ever and it's you know especially in the late 90s growing up it's like this Mm -hmm. is horrible for our children and what i was so accustomed to was like everyone ganging up on wrestling while simultaneously understanding absolutely nothing about it um Mm -hmm. because like i most wrestling movies are uh a lot closer to Russell Madness than The Wrestler in their portrayal of wrestling, you know? Um, right. So uh, I, I, was, you know, I was hearing that this movie was getting like Oscar buzz and it was about pro wrestling and was supposed to actually be good. And I was cautiously optimistic. Then I heard Roddy Piper, legendary pro wrestler, say he couldn't watch the movie because he'd seen too many of his friends go down this path. Um oh man. And I was like, okay, it sounds like they get it. Um very similar feel to like uh the Iron Claw that's about to come out. Um I'm really looking forward to that. Hell yeah. That's going to be I already have plans to go see it. It's it's I can't wait. It looks fantastic. Yeah, MJF yeah. MJF is in it. Um, <laughs> so I see this movie in theaters, I make a make a whole thing of I I'm, I'm it's 2008. I'm 18, right? So like I I'm not really into like indie film or you know like I am I'm, I'm going to the theaters to see like Step Brothers and Super Bad that's what I'm interested in catching, National you know? Treasure 2. yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. um so uh, I I fucking loved it like I thought it was fantastic and other than like one or two like real nitpicks to be quite honest with you I mm-hmm. thought it was like a perfect representation of wrestling and that's as i understood it as an 18 year old fan now that i have like had a cup of coffee in the wrestling industry and been trained and been in a locker room where they're planning the show now i understand at a deeper level just how accurate this movie was you know like it was like not even in the process but just in the feel of things just like the atmosphere like it just understands wrestling um so in my relationship with it, you know, I would say the biggest thing, kind of around the time we met Greg, um I had just lost what had basically been my whole life. Um I don't want to get too deep into it, but like it was all I'd ever known and it blew up in my face and I just felt like the world I loved didn't love me anymore. And mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't know what to do with that. I'd never wanted to do anything else. Um and I just had to move on even though I didn't want to and even though I felt completely unequipped for it and was just in this world that was like completely unfamiliar to me. And I've always really related to this movie in in that time in my life of being like really relating to uh, the song Bruce Springsteen did for the credits. Uh, If you've Mm -hmm. ever seen a one-trick pony uh, in the field all happy and free, if you've ever seen a one-trick pony, you've seen me. And then he goes on to talk about how happy he was being that one trick pony you know like Mm and how he doesn't want to change like everyone would assume a one trick pony would want to change and that song is just an amazing summation of the theme of this movie in case you didn't get it they play a song about it afterwards um, (laughs) to really let it sink in Um, but I just remember really relating to Randy the Ram and just really feeling like I am a one-trick pony, and god damn it, I was fucking happy being that way. And then it was taken from me, and now I have to exist in this world that makes no sense to me and isn't anything like my skill set or what I'm good at. Um, and mm-hmm. um, it just for so long I felt like just like a broken imitation of who I used to be um and i just powerfully not just because of like my relationship with pro wrestling uh but like because of what this movie is and because of the character work in this movie um had you know a pretty long season of life that i honestly didn't know that i was going to come out of uh where i really related to the character randy the ram so um this movie is and i was always very embarrassed about that feeling and this movie has always made me feel like hey at least somebody else gets this and uh you know people thought this should have won best picture so i actually think probably a lot of people get this you know like it's probably not like a you thing there's like a whole popular movie about this experience
2: (laughs) you know like um and that was cool i i think it's like that's got to be super validating not just like it's a more universal feeling than i think you realize just because you're path that you desired was a lot more niche doesn't mean that a lot of people don't know what it's like to have the life they wanted like snuffed away from them too early Mm -hmm. or i guess in the case of this movie it's run its course it's time to move on but we're not really willing to accept that Mm -hmm. so i think that's you know that's got to feel really validating to have people really empathize with a character that's gone through very similar things but in a the same field as you basically yeah. and just like wait people get it if they can get him they can get me kind of thing i assume that's got to be how it felt for you when oh, well, this movie was well received
1: yeah well and even more so i think what i got from it is i'm not a freak um I'm not having some unrelatable experience here. This like, mm-hmm. and if you asked me, had I talked to anyone who'd been through something similar, I'd definitely say no. You know, um, it it like I'm sure lots of people had been through stuff like yeah. that, but I wasn't able to really feel like I could talk to anyone like
2: that. And you, and, you probably wouldn't have had to look too far. And that's yeah. like the main thing in this movie is <clears throat> at a certain point, I'm just like this incredibly personable guy he doesn't have anybody to talk to Mm -hmm. at all that's just all he wants he's just like as much coming to grips with like the end of his career but also looking for somebody to talk to about how he's feeling about it it's not that nobody could possibly understand I don't know it's I don't think he has like he has zero outlet yeah and he's he's looking for people to listen that couldn't possibly understand basically yeah. I don't know it's it's really tricky
1: no absolutely and you know it, it seems like he doesn't know what receiving love is and he's gotten confused he thinks like being cheered for at a wrestling show is being loved but he also knows that that's not enough you know like um we'll get into that but you know like on relationships I want to get before I feed to you um
2: I've never seen it that's my relationship you go ahead never saw it always wanted to
1: what it means to me personally is knowing that like hey people who like not only don't like wrestling but actively dislike wrestling think this is a phenomenal movie and that's not because it covers wrestling well that's because it covers people well right Mm -hmm. like they they're like and so that's what shows me that it's like hey wrestling is like the bridge between me and other people who feel this way it, you know like that's right that's where we can connect and have a conversation on common ground but the human experience that this movie portrays that's that's what really gets to me and that's what i didn't realize so many other people feel you know like like mm-hmm. I'll, I'll bet most people we know feel like At some point their world fell apart And all they wanted to do was go back And they couldn't You know like that's That's a very I'm sure that at some point in your life That happens to almost everybody
2: Yeah And I think like the main difference in this movie Is that he can kind of go back But it's killing him
1: Right yeah Yeah. Like Love that
2: And you know that's maybe a message for the people That want to go back Is just like Hey, even, like, best-case scenario, you can go back a little bit. You can relive some of those same feelings. It may not be the same highs, but it'll elicit, like, the same kind of reaction. You'll feel similar things to what you felt, but it's going to destroy you. Yeah, You have to know when to be done. So, uh, I don't know, man.
1: Well, I think what this movie captures that I, I would say has gotten better in recent memory But definitely around the time this movie was made, um, there were two, like, uh, really notable professional wrestlers who, like, were big in the hardcore fan circles in the late 90s, and they kind of hung around for the early 2000s, but eh, they were just, their time was past, you know, but they weren't that old. (laughs) Um, And so one of them managed a target, and uh, the other one was an Olive Garden uh, cook. Which, Mm -hmm. like, even that guy, he was a cook at Olive Garden while he was attending culinary school. You know, like, so it's, like, the man's clearly trying to better himself. And both these guys got lambasted by, like, fans and other wrestlers. And they got, like, made fun of. And they were, it was just viewed as, like, a disgrace to a former star. And you've got to realize, right, like, these guys, to get where they are in wrestling, from a very young age, they have to invest their whole lives in it. Um, mm-hmm. and then they get to live their dream of, of wanting, uh, of, of, like achieving like public notoriety and, uh, niche celebrity status as a pro wrestler. Or, you know, in Randy the Rams' case, a, a crossover star, they kind of portray him as someone who had like a Hulk Hogan level of appeal. Um, but, uh, so like not only have they been used to that their whole lives, right? Um, that's the only world they've ever known where they're like a big deal and people are watching them and people are cheering for them and people are literally paying money for a glimpse of them, you know, like to Mm -hmm. see them for a couple of minutes. Um, And then like, if you're extremely successful, careers last a lot longer now, but back not too long ago, the style was a lot rougher as you see in this movie at times. And they were ending in your thirties. And so, These guys, they're 1099 employers with WWE. Um, They're getting cash envelopes if they're wrestling these indie shows, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you got to understand, these guys don't have benefits. They don't have health insurance. They don't have educations for the most part. They don't have any relevant job experience beyond being a pro wrestler. And they can't do that anymore. And so they're 35 and have no marketable skills or references or career, So what do you fucking do? You go work at Target like Shane Douglas did, or you go work at the deli counter like Randy the Ram did, and then everybody fucking mocks you when it's like, well, what did you fucking expect these guys to do? Like, Mm -hmm. what other options do they have than to do these things that you're making fun of them for? Like, what, like, again, where are they supposed to go? Where are they fucking supposed to go? Yeah, and I've been, I work in
2: and have been a fan of professional sports for a long time and i see guys and i think about their like post career and i think the wrestling sphere offers a lot more options for like indie shows and that kind of thing and like meet and greets and signings pictures that sort of thing those don't really pay the bills and like you said don't offer health insurance but like i don't know what you're supposed to do when like professional athletes like the best of the best it is so so much harder now to reach the level you have to be to consistently stay in like the top league or the top um wrestling company like whatever what that demands of your body is so much more than it used to be yes and it starts earlier so you're missing out on education and breaks down your body faster And most people, like in pro sports of all kinds, or sports entertainment, yeah, yeah, like they just, like he says at the end of the movie, they're just burning the candle at both ends. And by the time you're like mid thirties, yeah, your body's just cooked. You're toast. You're done. And you haven't done anything to prepare for anything after this. And it's not just like the physical toll; it's the mental toll of like. Since I was eight, I've been trained to be this yeah. at this level. This is the only life I could ever know. What do I do after this? There, yeah. that, there was never an option, and that's like—that's not even half of your life, you know, on average. Mm-hmm. And like, the the path for a lot of people is either you know trying to hang on into the you know the indie shows or the minor league sports in other countries and that kind of thing or maybe continuing to work in the sport maybe not in a um, maybe not playing or performing but a you know maybe like you're an agent or like commentating you're an agent you're like a manager of some kind that sort of thing and for a lot of guys like it seems like for Mr. The Ram here it's drugs, it's clinging on and trying to continue to put your body through this. And for a lot of guys, it is unfortunately addiction and suicide and just, yeah, wasting away. When I was in training, uh, there's a day,
1: uh, there was a day in class where we didn't get in the ring and our trainer just gave us a lecture on drug use in the industry. And he read us, and, you know, this guy was probably late 30s, early 40s, if I had to guess. Um, he read us a list, and it was like three pages long, of everyone he'd ever wrestled who was now dead. Um, mm-hmm. And about 95% of them were under the age of 50. And i think like one or two of them were of natural causes you know like mm-hmm. the rest of them had like heart attacks when they were 48 because they had been doing steroids since they were 18 you know like um mm-hmm. so um things are way better in the wrestling industry now basically after crispin Benoit happened uh they had to get really serious about um mm-hmm. cracking down on drugs and steroids and like now WWE has like a world-class training facility and they have doctors and masseuses on staff and all that. But that's like new for WWE, which is the highest level of this in the world. And that's like around 2015 or so when they started offering that. Um, So what I would say is like, you got to imagine, you know, the kind of stuff that like an NFL athlete goes through or an NBA athlete goes through. But first you got to know that like, None of these guys were making anything near NFL-NBA money. Like, mm-hmm. a crazy big WWE contract in the late 90s was 750000 a year. Insane. Tippity-top. That um, is
2: that is the... I believe it's the current league minimum for the yeah. National Hockey League. Wow. I think that's the league minimum, Is 750. Wow. I might be wrong, but it's right around there.
1: And given... If you're a top guy and you're signed to that, you're also going to get bonuses for the shows you're gonna get merch royalties like Mm -hmm. i promise you like
2: sponsorships yeah
1: yeah the rock and stone cold took home more than seven hundred and fifty thousand a year okay you know Mm -hmm. like
2: i promise you that but well when you're the tooth fairy
1: of course right but you got to understand that for like for the top guys in the industry a really good year is like three million you know like Mm -hmm. um that's that's like nothing what top guys in the nfl are making so not only is it that Mm -hmm. But also, they weren't going back to rehab centers. They were first of all doing this like five nights a week, um, and they were going to rental cars and flying coach and Red Roof Inn. You know, like mm-hmm. they <laughs> they weren't getting care at all. Like a lot, like WWE doesn't give their wrestlers health insurance. Like Jesus Christ. Like, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, it's like. The absolute insanity of what, like... Like, brother, I wrestled four matches in 2013 and did three months of training before that. I've had problems with my right hip ever since that never got better. Um, Like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I didn't... I didn't kind of schedule like Randy the rap all right? Like you know, like it's 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 really damaging to your body, is what I'm saying. And you were definitely
2: not making the seven hundred fifty thousand dollars you were talking about a second ago.
1: Highest so, I got paid for a show was thirty five dollars, and honestly, that was pretty damn good. Uh, that was for a fucking no name jobber like me. So that's well, you, I would I wasn't expecting to get paid ever. So
2: I hope you didn't spend it all in one place. It Uh,
1: almost covered my gas to the show. (laughs) Almost. Almost. I was was booked in San Antonio while I lived in East Texas. (laughs) Oh, man. It did
2: not cover the gas back, sad to say. Uh, Damn. Oh, speaking of Job, does his... To get back on the movie, I guess, uh, does the Ram's tattoo on his finger, does that say Job? I was trying
1: to read his tattoos and trying to see what they are, and I honestly didn't know... Mickey Rourke's tattoos, so I don't know if they were Randy the Rams or his, honestly. I know there's like yeah. I caught a crying Jesus in like the dead center of his spine. It's a crying
2: Jesus, there's like a panther head on his uh, upper arm here by yeah. the shoulder. Yeah, I didn't yeah, see I, the
1: finger tat, I guess.
2: The the finger, I think it says middle finger, I think it says job. It's just kinda like some text going around like the base of it. That'd I be a fucking
1: gonna... cool wrestling tattoo. I I know, right?
2: Well and he's wearing a lot of scars too. Yeah. which those also looked like are those his or is that the character's scars?
1: mickey rourke just looks like a leathery old wrestler who spent way too much time tanning and is like simultaneously in surprisingly amazing shape for his age but like incredibly mm. gross looking at the same time you know like. It's-
2: Do we want to just, like, get into him and gush about that for a minute? Yeah, let's do it. Because I loved him in this. His, ah, perfect. Yeah, he looks exactly like he fits in this movie. He's just a leathery leathery old wrestler type. You know, the first time you take off his shirt, he takes off his shirt. You're like, oh, damn, he is pretty cut. He's got a lot of muscles. And that's maybe, like, five minutes before we start getting into steroid talk. And you're like, oh, I see why he's still built this way yeah yeah you know like the tattoos and the scars and everything and it's just such a i could praise the emotional side of the performance all episode but like the physical performance is even better yes it's unbelievable it's so good like every step he takes feels like he has been slammed to the mat a hundred thousand a hundred times a week for most of his life like he just, he's just got this stature, this way that he carries himself that is just so damn believable. Mm-hmm. That like, as the caps lock review said, it, it I thought it to be I thought it to be like a documentary, and it's just where the the camera goes handheld sometimes. It just kind of follows him around, and you just really believe that it's like a former pro wrestler. Walking through the back area of a grocery store, it doesn't feel like an actor on a set. It feels like a dude that did exactly what we we said he did for his entire life and yeah. it's it's amazing and then, on top of all that, every line he delivers, every interaction he has with another person is so believable and so relatable. I just feel so emotionally connected and empathize with his character so well. That it's just, uh, it it does it got an Oscar nomination and it completely deserved it. Probably should have won, but I don't know if you want to get into that at any point.
1: I do, I do. I did want to comment though that I, I do think like you really should look at this first and foremost as an Aronofsky and Rourke collaboration. You know, like because mm-hmm. it's like all of the shit aronofsky is doing so well with this like very immersive very verite guerrilla style uh movie um right it doesn't work without mickey rourke doing what he does okay like and
2: it is yeah th- that ex- this exact thing is what i wanted to talk to you about next go yeah. ahead
1: well and to the credit uh not just to mickey rourke but to the rest of the cast you've got three really famous people mickey rourke marissa tomei and evan rachel wood Um, Mm -hmm. very recognizable Um, I actually didn't even recognize Evan Rachel Wood the whole movie her name popped up in the credits and I was like oh my god that was her wasn't it like Mm -hmm. they don't feel like celebrities they don't because like Vanessa and I will always talk about like um, you know like that person's not bad looking but they're not TV pretty they don't they don't belong with the other beautiful people on TV right now you know Mm -hmm. like there's just a certain level of like ridiculously good looking that it takes as just like the entry level to be an extra on tv and it creates this distorted perception of what a normal person looks like right um Mm -hmm. but um these are all like pretty tv pretty people they look like they belong on tv and yet you've got me seeing them in like shitty grocery stores and sleeping in vans and they thrift stores, and they just look like regular Joes. Every every last one of them. They just it. It, it would have been one thing to accomplish this with no names, right? With with people mm-hmm. the audience isn't familiar with. Um, it's pretty damn incredible that they did it with like three recognizable actors.
2: Oh yeah, I, I'm much less familiar with Evan Rachel Wood, but she was Madonna in the Weird Al movie.
1: Which brings us to. You
2: told Madonna. me to get excited for Madonna coming up. Oh, that was it. That was just. She was Madonna. That was, oh. <laughs> and, um. I got to say, I think she was better in that
1: movie.
2: I did not like her very much in this one.
1: I wasn't wild about her performance. It's not my favorite.
2: Yeah. The, it goes in contrast to something I did want to tell you or talk to you a little bit about, which is kind of where we're at now. It's just this. The lead performance being so believable and the way this is filmed is in such a way that i i I normally hate this style of filmmaking, we talked about it, of course, with a movie we 've already discussed a little bit and covered on this podcast, Nomad Land, mm-hmm. where you have a very stellar lead performance from an actor blending in very well, but they 're with a bunch of normals, yeah, and just like regular people, and it 's just like. Nobody's doing a bad job, but, like, the regular people, and then in this case, like, the backstage kind of wrestling guys, it doesn't feel like there's any sort of real performance. So when you watch Nomadland, you're like, that's Frances McDormand. She's putting on a terrific performance. But then these people over here are just, like, being themselves and delivering lines very plainly and all that kind of stuff. It just... There's such a contradiction that really like breaks the immersion in this kind of movie. It it happened a few times in Francis Ha as well. Mm-hmm. But with this movie, the lead performance is so good. There is also a performative aspect to all these minor characters, and there are a few, like, legitimate actors like sprinkled in that it provides that same kind of feeling of this was a big time famous wrestler and he's now like hanging out with the guys backstage and discussing you know cutting the show or whatever shit I lost the jargon but like really having a genuine conversation about with these guys about what they're going to do for their show tonight Mm -hmm. and it's just like they seem like regular dudes but there is a performative aspect to their characters and you've got like these like you said, these other actors that are made to feel the same way and then Mickey Rourke is kind of the glue holding it all together in such a believable way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I did really like those scenes where like that first wrestling show he does, where he's like really uh, encouraging the younger guys. Mm-hmm. He His character isn't like I used to be the best, but I should still be looked at as the best. Mm-hmm. He's a very encouraging guy he's like it sounds like he's got a lot of good advice he's just very um respectful to everybody no matter how high or low or young or old experienced or not that anybody is he's always willing to like treat everybody with respect and he seems like he's really commanding or really desiring that respect back and he gets it in
1: spades well you gotta realize right like If you're an indie wrestler who either thinks they're going to make it one day or knows that they're never going to make it, but they're still doing it because they love it, you know, which I think is a lot of people's lot in life, right? Um, Mm -hmm. A washed up old wrestler booked on your show is the coolest motherfucker alive because you grew up watching them on TV, you know, Mm -hmm. like that's, you would be worshipped. He would be worshipped in those locker rooms. And I and I love, you know, the contrast of, like, he's not really respected out in the rest of the world. And honestly, because he's not the same kind of guy in the rest of the world, he's kind of a shit guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but the contrast and the thing that's very unlike reality is that um, most, most washed-up has-beens who are in Mickey Rourke's position um, are real big fucking assholes to everybody at the show. Um, okay. You know, okay. like, um, they're very much... You know, they think they're above it. Uh, they don't want to be there. They they certainly resent that they have to do such a small thing a lot of the time. And, mm-hmm. you know, culture's kind of changing around the thing now. And, like, there's actually an indie wrestling scene, which there wasn't for a long time. Um, basically, WWE became a monopoly in 2001. And, like, there was just, like, nothing left outside of it for the most part, except for a mm-hmm. few very small-time things. Now, we're getting back to a healthier place. Honestly, you could say it's healthier than it's ever been. Not that anyone asked. Um, Sorry, I'm going to do my (laughs) best to stay on track. Um, But, um, yeah, man. Like, uh, that's very, like... There's this weird, like... Like, wrestlers call each other good brothers. There's a secret wrestling handshake that I'm not going to divulge on this podcast. Um,
2: Like yeah you just kiss each other on the mouth for at least two seconds
1: you gotta kiss the brothers but there's it's very much it goes back to like um it goes back to old wrestling when it wasn't known that the the wrestling is fake and um if you walked into a room and there's still a tradition that you have to shake everybody's hand when you get to the show um if you walked into a place that had a bunch of wrestlers in it It was expected that you would shake everyone's hand and give them the secret wrestler handshake so they would know it's okay to acknowledge that wrestling is fake around you. And so that's what what a closed shop it is. And there's just, like, there's just such a general respect in general for people who are inside the business. You know, like, we're in this together. Like, we're part of the secret club. You know, like... um, Mm -hmm. It's just really cool and, you know, like a journeyman like him would be just absolutely worshipped by the guys in the back Mm -hmm. at a a local indie, right? Like,
2: And that's that's what I loved about those scenes is it felt like every time it was all the wrestlers together and the promoter and the refs, every single person in those areas felt like they were on the same team. Mm Mm-hmm it was really cool to see and it was just like alright guys let's do this and it's just like alright you guys go out there and hate each other and it's, <laughs> yeah it's great like this was a bad movie for um, people that want to be wrestling referees yeah because <laughs> they got smacked around a lot but they also <laughs> felt like they also felt like part of the team part of the crew part of the part of the show mm-hmm. Um, and they got as much respect as everyone else so I don't know I just thought those scenes were really fun
1: it's pretty sweet and there's a really big sense of camaraderie um well you got to realize how much trust it takes in another person to do a wrestling match with them like you you put their life in you put your life in their hands a lot Mm -hmm. like a lot you put your life in their hands and so like you've got to be pretty down with the people you're doing this with (laughs) you know like you've got to be pretty down with them and you're also, like, cramming six in a car and driving ten hours to wrestle for no money. You know, like, and you're doing shit like that all the time together. You know, there's... And it's weird, you know, a lot of wrestlers, um, like, especially at a high level where they travel, like, five or six days a week, well, they, they go home and they don't fucking hang out. They live in different parts of the country. Um They want to spend time with their goddamn families on their rare days off, you know, mm-hmm. and a lot of wrestlers will like leave WWE and be like where the fuck did my friends go cuz they never hang out outside of wrestling you know like and they don't realize that cuz all they're doing is wrestling um so i don't know it's just such an immersive like you have to be all in you know to to even think about being there you have to be so all in um sorry for those of y'all who don't know i am autistic as fuck and wrestling is a special interest of mine and if i had a dollar for every time i wish someone said let's do a podcast about the movie the wrestler (laughs) i would be a rich man so um honestly i have no gauge on uh how good of audio this is because to me every everything i'm saying is riveting but i doubt that's true hey
2: i'm i'm not autistic as far as I know I have very minimal interest in wrestling and I thought this was such a good movie that I was willing to let you just talk about it as much as possible I wanted as much insight I had a lot of questions about like the wrestling featured in the movie uh, certain characters uh, the way people acted with each other backstage and that kinda of thing and, like I didn't really even have to ask You just kind of got there, and I was kind of expecting that a little bit, so I'm happy. This is the stuff we came here for. You let me, like, just absolutely pour my heart out about a a movie I loved last time, so this was your platform to do the same, a movie and a sports entertainment product that you enjoy just as much as I, you know, enjoyed the last thing.
1: Hell fucking yeah, man. Hell fucking yeah. Um, ask me a question So I know I'm saying something That at least one person wants to hear Because <laughs> I will just Do about four more hours uh, On what I consider Surface level knowledge of wrestling <laughs> so...
2: <laughs> I I kind of came up With a couple And I think one you already answered At some point during this But uh, my other one was like know we watched russell madness and you had to tell me that one of the guys was a famous wrestler right right. and he was the best part of the movie hell yeah were there any other pro wrestlers or recognizable wrestlers in this movie as well
1: i'm glad you asked because i made note of everyone i recognized (laughs) yes I, I, (laughs) i figured
2: i figured the guy in his final match at the end of the movie i thought that would have been a guy basically it's so maybe maybe the mohawk guy too
1: the mohawk guy is definitely a real wrestler but i forgot his name um i i want to say eric cannon correct me if i'm wrong um i won't won't.
2: because i don't know
1: (laughs) (laughs) um obviously everybody is looking for an id on the action figure used on mickey rourke's dashboard that is a Jax wwf bone crunching action edge figure From which series I cannot say because this exact sculpt was released multiple times with different paint jobs. Um, But that is Edge, aka AEW's Adam Copeland. Um, And uh, let's
2: see. I like that the kid played with the toy. That was pretty sweet.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty sweet. He really liked it. Um, So I'll I'll start with the guy that you just talked about, the guy who plays uh, the Ayatollah. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's really weird. Bob. It threw me through a loop when I first saw this movie. Um, so that's Ernest the Cat Miller, um, which I told you to wait for the good joke about the cat's appearance in The Wrestler. Um, when my friend's cat oh, walked yeah. in front of the screen while I was watching it. Mm-hmm. I was like, hey, I thought the cat doesn't show up until later. <laughs> <laughs> um, Nicely done. So this is what's so fucking weird, right? Um Ernest the Cat Miller is not a very recognizable wrestler. (laughs) Like, he is... He was... um, He was in... He was a mid Carter in WCW uh, in the late 90s. Definitely had some national TV time and a very, like, popular boom of pro wrestling. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know what? If you watched WCW growing up and you don't remember Ernest the Cat Miller, I got a feeling you're not the only one. Um, Well, was, was he ever... Did he ever go to camp? Or was he ever, like,
2: scared stupid?
1: Not that I recall.
2: Or maybe... Hmm, oh my god, go to Africa? a
1: Africa. <laughs> See, Greg, I'm autistic and I don't pick up on implications, and I thought you were asking me if Ernest Miller was in the Ernest movies, and I was like, I don't remember a cameo. <laughs> I was not picking up on any implication right
2: there. <laughs> I thought this man was Ernest.
1: Damn. So, he had an even briefer stint as, like, a C-string WWE commentator. He had, like, a, like, two-week run in WWE in, like, 2004, where Mm -hmm. the most notable thing about his character was that he had a really good theme song that they later gave to another wrestler. So, like, his biggest contribution to WWE was that uh, he was the source of a good entrance theme. Um, So that's what's so weird to me, is he has such a huge role in this movie. Um, And this is, I'm an Ernest Miller fan. I think he's great. I'm not trying to shit on the guy. But it was really off-putting to have him basically coded as the Iron Sheik, as one of the most recognizable wrestlers in history. Um, And have it just be like a weird little footnote guy from a popular period in wrestling that really as far as I'm aware, was years removed from the wrestling business as a whole at this time. I have not heard a goddamn thing about Ernest Miller and pro wrestling since 2004. So that's why it was even more like confusing to me. You know? like mm-hmm. I was like, how did Ernest Miller land this gig? He's like the pivotal, climactic character in the movie. What is Ernest Miller doing here?
2: Um, a few hey, of- I, go I will say, we were building to him... And it totally paid off. I liked him a lot in this.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh no! But,
2: but as as a dude and as a wrestler, I like would, he was, It's like I'm the heel, you're the face, baby. I Meeting love, over. <laughs> I love that
1: line. That's that's oh, called man. calling it in the ring, brother. That's so fucking good. What um, else is
2: there to prepare?
1: No, I I would say based on his talent as a wrestler and his charisma, I think Ernest Miller severely underachieved. You know, like I <laughs> I like the guy a lot, and I think he. Uh, could have done a lot more um, hey
2: i hope he sees some residuals from our youtube rentals of this movie
1: hell yeah <laughs> i hope so too wow um, 85 cents uh oh shit it's more residuals than he's receiving from his years of wcw work that are available on peacock uh, hey, i guarantee least... he's not seeing a dime of that so we better rent the wrestler and hope it gets to the right place <laughs> at least the saga after a strike is over for yeah him. I heard he was. I heard he was a really big part of that. (laughs) Hmm. I don't think he did. (laughs) Watch him be like super like behind the scenes in the movie industry or something, and I don't know it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But um, I I won't list uh, uh, every uh, every wrestler that was in this movie. Um, Shout out to Judah Friedlander who played a promoter. He's a legit real wrestling fan, and I'm always pumped to see him show up. And he's like, he's a hardcore. He's not like I watched wrestling when I was a kid. That dude. I've seen some of his tweets about wrestling. He knows what he's fucking talking about. Um. It it was funny seeing, like, he showed up and
2: you just see, like, his torso Mm -hmm. in, like, a minor league hockey jersey. Mm -hmm. And then he shows up later and then he shows his face and you're talking and you're like, oh, shit, it's the guy from 30 Rock. Why didn't they just show him before? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think he was just really happy to be there.
1: Hell yeah. Um A couple other fun wrestlers that are in this are, uh, uh, Ron the Truth Killings, a.k.a. R-Truth. Um, he is the guy who looks really cool wrestling in jeans with, like, metal rings around the waist. Um, he's very briefly wrestling, uh... He talks to Randy the Ram really briefly while he is standing next to, like, Ring of Honor fucking legend, Nigel McGinnis, um, who's a current AEW commentator. And Randy goes, oh, hey, Nigel. And that's, like, the only acknowledgement of of him. Is Um, that the two guys
2: when he, like, goes to the arena and he just watches the show for a little bit? Is that those two guys? Yeah, yeah. That's that's, uh,
1: R-Truth and Nigel McGinnis. Uh,
2: Those two guys felt like they were real wrestlers making a cameo
1: our, our truth is still signed to wwe and nigel McGuinness is an AEW commentator right now that's like okay, how sick. in wrestling these guys are um our truth has been employed by he he's a he's awesome he's the man look up our truth he's hilarious he's like the niche like legit badass wrestler from like the early 2000s scene somehow is in amazing fucking shape into his 50s and has been like wwe's comic relief for like 15 years now it seems like (laughs) um he's awesome um there was also uh ecw legend the blue meanie who i love seeing briefly in the ecw locker room but most importantly and who i really want to talk about um the guy who he wrestles in the death match um you know who I'm talking about?
2: Is that that second match with like the barbed wire yeah, and the table yeah. spot and all that shit? Yeah. Oh, that was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, from a real a
1: sh- promotion, Combat Zone Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Mickey Rourke is wrestling uh, the guy who wrestled in bare feet, ripped off jeans with a weed tattoo on his shoulder. Necro Butcher, one of my personal favorite wrestling names. He was really <laughs> known at this time. For being one of the craziest, most brutal motherfuckers in the entire business, and mm-hmm. uh, against all odds, he left wrestling and has a normal job now. <laughs> like he was doing the shit in this movie oh, on a regular basis, and one day said "fuck it." And there's like a there's a picture of him on the internet wearing like a polo at his IT job or wherever he works, and it's just like that's the fucking necro butcher. He-, he just he just left the life necro butcher. The last guy you would think would leave the life. That guy fucking left the life. (laughs) He looked
2: like he had an IT job, but also wanted to be in this movie. (laughs) Good for him.
1: Yeah, good on him. Well, and keep in mind, you meet him with his glasses and a t-shirt on backstage, planning the match. Um, As wrestling fans, we only knew the on-screen Necro Butcher, who was just like... Mm. Seemed like a deranged homeless man with no regard for his own safety. Uh, you know, like, that's, that's who Necro Butcher was to me. Uh, he, really, he really flipped that switch, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that guy, turns out, totally normal job. <laughs> it's just like, he did what Hulk Hogan couldn't, my friends. He did what Randy the Ram couldn't. He's the opposite of this cautionary tale. Um, he had his fun, beat the living fuck out of his body, and bailed. Clean break. Clean break from nice. wrestling. Not related to wrestling at all anymore. No one talks about him.
2: <laughs> we do. Yeah, we do. Hell yeah! I always talk about Necro. People should watch this movie and talk about him more. Um. Yeah. A- anything else movie related? I got. A- I got a couple more notes. Yeah, lay it on me. I am tired, sick and tired. I was getting exhausted of all these little dorks showing up to cheeks and acting like Marissa Tomei isn't hot.
1: Jesus Christ, yeah. What the fuck was going on? Aunt May? Are you kidding me? She was an absolute, like, queen milf in this movie. Just absolute milf queen. And, like,
2: this is, like, run-down parts of New Jersey yeah. kind of thing. And everyone's in there like, no, I demand a better stripper. <laughs> <laughs> Slamming their fists on the table. It's just like, buddy, have you not seen... Spider-Man <laughs> I'll think of other movies she's in later um, I did want to shout out a not a cameo but a recognizable setting from one of my favorite shows The Sopranos Ooh. we got Asbury Park
1: yeah. showing
2: up when he, he takes his daughter and she surprisingly kicks in the door of a locked facility mm-hmm. that was fun that was Asbury Park was in The Sopranos I have a shirt of the park logo, but it, I, I didn't wear it tonight. That's not awesome. like you can see, anyways. Um, yeah, I kind of already asked you about wrestlers that you recognized.
1: Well, I had a segue from Marissa Tomei's character while we're on the subject.
2: Yeah, go for it. So
1: it's actually I got distracted talking about actual real fake wrestling, not fake fake wrestling. Um, real fake, real fake wrestling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, real so fake, fake real. This is this is the thread that I love throughout this whole movie, right? Mickey Rourke relates to her because he sees her on stage, right, mm-hmm. and that's the world he understands, and where their paths diverge and why she is healthy and he is not is that she can understand the difference between performance and reality, right yeah, she, she knows who she is on stage, and she knows who she is off stage, and those two worlds don't mix for her and for Randy, and this is something I think you like that really. A lot of wrestlers especially in the old days suffered from Um, so like to keep the secret that wrestling was fake you were expected to perform your gimmick in like the airports and at a toll booth and like there was a huge scandal one time because hacksaw Jim Duggan and the iron sheet got pulled over by the police in the same car But but Iron Sheik hates America, and Hacksaw Jim Duggan is a patriot, and they were driving together. And so, like, (laughs) wrestlers were expected not to go to bars or to go out to eat with their best friends if they were, like, not aligned on TV. You know, like, Mm -hmm. that's that's how much you had to commit to this persona. Um, And I really do think, and I would have said this before I watched the movie, I think Hulk Hogan doesn't know that he's not Hulk Hogan. I don't think he knows who Terry Bollea is anymore. Um, I think he had to be Hulk Hogan for so long that that's just him, right? And you clearly see he is not Robin, our protagonist in this movie. He's not Robin anymore. He's Randy the Ram. And he's Randy the Ram 24-7. And when he goes and tries to be Robin, fucks up. But Marissa Tomei she can handle that and that's why she can have a healthy relationship with performance and he can't
2: she can be Pam and it's not like unfortunately you feel bad that nobody's like singing her praises when she is performing mm-hmm. but then watching the other character in this movie you're kind of glad that that's the case because she she kind of opens up to him she's like I'm not just this like I am a mother Mm -hmm. I am a person like I'm more than what I am outside of here and you know if she was having her praises song night after night would she be acting differently and you kind of feel bad that she's not like it doesn't seem like she's really achieving but we're seeing what achieving looks like on the other end of things yeah and I will say I'm I think the Ram he at least acknowledges that Robin is a thing robin is still there you know the ram is still able to you know acknowledge and talk to black people so he's not like he's not fully hulk hogan
1: right <laughs> and so and for the record hulk hogan has claimed that this movie is based on him and darren aronofsky has gone on the record and said it is not uh, <laughs> and if you're hulk hogan i uh, i cannot imagine how you could possibly think this resembled your life you fucking dip ass other than like the main character was a blonde wrestler that's about where the comparison ends. um but
2: i trust darren on this one
1: (laughs) he did say though that uh that uh randy's relationship with his daughter is based off of jake the snake and his daughter's relationship so uh, who we
2: have discussed at length on this podcast
1: yes and if you were jake the snake i could see why you might think this movie was based off you (laughs)
2: when you when you were talking about other wrestlers that you were reminded of um or like you were alluding to this character like played out in real life i thought at some point you would mention jake the snake roberts
1: yeah yeah i mean if anything i think the main difference is you could say that uh this person was way more successful as a wrestler and in way better had a way better relationship with drugs in their own body than Jake the Snake did. And that's why it doesn't really remind me of Jake the Snake because, like, honestly, Jake's washed-up days were way worse, and they are on camera. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, like, they were way worse than anything you saw from Randy the Ram in this, so, like... If Jake Roberts died before DDP helped him get sober, I would have said, like, Jake Roberts fucking wishes this movie was his life. You know, like, yeah. this, this would have been a way better life than he lived for a long time. That dude suffered.
2: I kind of thought that's where the movie was going. Once we once we kind of introduced... I I thought it might go this way, but, like, I didn't really know much about the movie, so I wasn't sure. But once the movie started going that route of, like, exploring the drug addiction like he's taking his pain medication and washing it down with like a 40 ounce of beer like it's not a healthy life and of like we got this drug deal where he's like it's not even like a drug deal it's just like a casual meeting in a locker room with other people present Of just like here's the steroids I have I thought it was going to be diving deeper into that it did of course like really fuck up the Ram in the long run mm-hmm. of course but like i was expecting jake the snake levels of like dependency and addiction yeah and thankfully we didn't get that but it was still just about as heartbreaking i would say oh
1: absolutely absolutely and you know to to put things in perspective guys i wrestled in 2014 in a much more cleaned up industry than is portrayed in this and uh I was offered Vicodin before my third match for no reason. And everyone was confused when I said, What? No, I don't need a Vicodin right now. Like <laughs> They were like, mm-hmm. Well, you will, brother. You know, like, uh, that's like, those guys were popping Vikes before their matches to, to get through the pain, you know? Um, ugh, it's dark, man. It, there's a real, really, really gross underbelly to wrestling that this movie understands very well. Very, very mm-hmm. well.
2: Yeah, and it doesn't approach it, like, disrespectfully, either. Oh! It it makes it understandable. Yeah! But also, but, like, still uncomfortable, but also, like, yeah, I see, like, I, I now know what these guys are putting themselves through. I get why they would want to kind of go down this path.
1: Yeah. No, absolutely. And, you know, the the best metaphor I've ever heard for it is running away to join the circus. You know, like, you know... Now, pro wrestling attracts like world class athletes who have trained their whole lights lives as dual sports superstars just for a chance, you know. Like, mm-hmm. but in the '70s and '80s, it attracted sketchy motherfuckers with charisma and nowhere else to go, you know. Like, it was, mm-hmm. um, it was a sketchy industry, man. It still is, you know. Like, it came from carnivals, and the reason it's fake is so they could rig the bettings at carnivals. Like, wrestling is a bunch of fucking carnies and. Um, some of them wear suits and some of them wear uh, you know minor league hockey jerseys but they're all fucking carnies every last one of them
2: (laughs) (laughs) but man that that scene with Judah Freelander though that one stuck out to me that um, that signing Mm -hmm. event like signing in picture event Mm -hmm. that was one of the scenes where you could really like feel the character kind of like it's something they had that Rourke had probably like, Rourke's character I mean, had probably like internalized multiple times along the way, but just like, he's looking around, he's like, there's not a lot of people here, I'm, you know, giving out a couple bucks and change out of my fanny pack. It looks, correct me if I'm wrong, but he looks over at another table and then there's like a picture of two guys shaking hands and like a cane leaning against it. Mm -hmm. Was that like a kind of a memorial? plays for like a wrestler who had passed away or is that just like somebody's stuff
1: it it doesn't jump out to me what i'm more uh interested in is some of those sad guys they showed uh, at least one Cause... of them is real wrestler johnny valiant and that's like a it seemed kind of mean to like put that Ow. in the movie for the guy like uh, <laughs> he. <laughs> Yeah, like, one of those was, like, a real dude who goes to conventions and has this happen. <laughs> Jeez, like, Damn.
2: Because, like, it goes over to what I thought might have been, like, someone who had passed away, and then he looks over at another table, and it's just, like, a guy with a catheter, a guy in a wheelchair with, like, either a missing leg or, like, a one that's so fucked up that it's just, like, shortened or, like, something. It's just, like, these other guys have been, like, beat down to the end of their ropes and they're just kind of going through the motions of their own life and that's kind of where I think the character really starts internalizing this idea that like at at the very best I can either like buckle down and love my deli counter job yeah, or I can pursue the wrestling thing and be kind of reduced to a guy that can barely move and signing v h s tapes for a group of like six people that don't really care or I can go out on top, yeah, and i my interpretation of the end of the movie is that it does it's heavily implied I wouldn't call it an interpretation, like he yeah. dies at the end, right? Am I crazy for saying that
1: uh that's how I view it. um I gotta think that's like if this is my response to it being ambiguous. If he doesn't, then what's the fucking movie? (laughs) Like, if he lives through that and everything's fine, what was this movie about? Then what's this Mm -hmm. for? He's gotta die. (laughs) This is, like, the dumbest movie ever made. It's just about, like, a sad guy who, like, went through a rough patch, but it turned out everything worked out fine.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and, like, if it wasn't this match, then he'll do it again and that'll be the last time it it won't it doesn't stop there
1: i'm gonna make a case actually that he does die Mm. so do you remember how we hear um we hear the crowd right which is what he's doing this for for the chance to hear the crowd he jumps off screen we briefly hear the crowd's kind of tone change and then hard cut it's out it's hard out hard out on the audio then we slowly bring in the bruce springsteen credit song it's almost as though it all abruptly ended Mm Hmm. that's my case for for randy dying
2: yep i i I buy that completely (sighs) um well i'm pretty much wrapped up here i only have a couple of minor notes if you're ready to get into gimmicks
1: Um, I'll throw one more thing out. It's not wrestling related. It's movie related. Um, and it's just that it's a talking point that seems like an obvious comparison to me. Um, but I don't hear it compared often is that, uh, I think this movie has a twin sister that explores the same things and it is Darren Aronofsky's Black Black Swan. Swan. Yeah. Yeah. I knew Uh, it. Yeah. And I, I really think it's just interesting to move to me because they're, they are two movies that kind of explore an unhealthy relationship with performance. Right. But one of them does it more, you know, for the male gender and the other does it as a more uh, female take, but it's all about this like toxic relationship with performing a show. And to me, they're, they're very similar movies, uh, even though they're like so fucking different, but the, the core of them is so similar to me. And, I love them both. They're they're probably my two favorite Aronofskis. Actually, definitely. I know that for sure.
2: Would you put Whiplash into s into a similar oh, wait, bucket I forgot as he these did two? Whiplash. Honestly, no, 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 That was that was Damien Chazelle. They're oh, totally different. Oh, I, yeah, so. I was oh, just saying so. like Aronofsky
1: did Whiplash.
2: No, like story wise, would you put Whiplash in the same bucket as Black Swan and The Wrestler?
1: A thousand percent. And if anything, probably the best example of it. Honestly, yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. I would say so. Yeah.
2: I think Black Swan was my first of Aronofsky's films that I watched. Mm-hmm. Uh, liked that one a lot. I have a cousin that is a professional ballerina, I would like to pick her brain about it a little oh, bit. Oh,
1: that would be really cool.
2: But uh, she's not a pro wrestler, so, hmm. <laughs> not as cool. Uh, jokes. All jokes. Uh, I had a couple last notes if you're ready yeah, for them. absolutely the fireman bedroom pretty cool <laughs> top notch that was awesome very fucking funny oh man i did like his uh he was really starting to embrace and like develop a passion for his little deli counter job that was kind of cool
1: you saw and the path you saw the the path to happiness it was right there, there was
2: there was a path oh it's heartbreaking uh, it is heartbreaking like maybe it doesn't stop there but like he kind of realized or failed to realize that any kind of job where you're like quick pace like interacting with the public like a bunch of different people he's super relatable and super charismatic like you could get out there and have a good time working some kind of job i think he was just so worried about being recognized that that just like prevented him from really wanting to Like, you you hear him complaining to his boss, like, I gotta gotta talk with the customers. Mm -hmm. It's not that he doesn't like people, it's that he's worried about being recognized and like, kind of confronted with his own failure, I guess.
1: I would say this, though. I would say that...
2: Failure in big air quotes, but yeah. Right.
1: Well, like, Randy the Ram is a total narcissist, okay? He's playing video games of himself, he keeps a toy of himself on his dashboard. He only functions in environments where he is worshipped, okay? You take him out of that, and um, he's a shit guy. Like, shit relationship with his daughter. You know, like, uh, flies off the handle in public, yells at people, is abusive towards people. Um,
3: Mm -hmm.
1: And that's, that's what a narcissist is, is they are someone who i would love to have a lunch with and never talk to again because at the surface level they're very charming you know like and they're very Mm -hmm. they'll make you feel very loved and very very cared about um and i just think you know if, if you saw a lot of narcissists at work you'd think they're wonderful people and you couldn't understand why their family sucks so much and their kids hate them you know like um so i don't know like i also think there's a degree of like it's not just his perceived failure but like to a person like that having a normal job at a grocery store would be a really big narcissistic wound you know like that would be a real big confrontation with i'm not who my ego says i am and it's something Mm -hmm. they can't handle and that's why they you know melt down at somebody recognizing them because now it's affecting their image into a narcissist their image is the most important thing at all times and uh so there's, like, a lot to sympathize with Randy about, and there's a lot to be like, you know what, fuck him. You know, like, and I think mm-hmm. I think the character tells a sad story of a sad man who found a way to be happy and lost it. You know, like, and I, I think that's what it's supposed to be. I, I, Randy's not a hero, you know, he's not a good guy. Yeah,
2: and I think your point is is made, I think in those moments where he does feel like, I'm getting the hang of this, I'm going to kind of, like, put a little bit of myself into this, It's just, like, he realizes there is a way to get praise or, like, admiration outside of the ring Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. But it didn't really seem like much. I didn't really, uh... People weren't really picking up what he was putting down the whole time, but he was trying to kind of force it. Yeah. Maybe that didn't work out for him.
1: Well, I know, and as is common with narcissists, kids love them, because kids are really easy to have a relationship with, you know? They... Hmm you just have to give them stuff and spend some time with them. They'll like you, you know, um, that's all Mm -hmm. it really takes. Um, but narcissists really struggle when the kids start to have a sense of self and their own opinions and their own desires. And I don't know. I have a lot of up close and personal experience with narcissism, both professionally and personally. And, uh, this movie is written with an astute understanding of it, I would say.
2: Okay. Yeah, I figured that was the case. I don't, so I kind of saw things differently, but uh, yeah, you, I guess you open my eyes to things every week.
1: I, I um, you, any wrestler is a fucking egomaniac, if not a narcissist, and that's the only way you'd ever make it in the business, okay? You, you do it because mm-hmm. you like to hear a lot of people chant your name. That's what it boils down to, okay? <laughs> like... <laughs>
2: understood i will not pursue a career in professional wrestling i I did this close
1: i'm so glad i sucked at it (laughs) because it was definitely uh feeding my ego in all the wrong ways brother
2: (sighs) well i think my last note is um i did like speaking of the deli counter his job his boss his manager i thought that guy was really funny
1: oh dude he's amazing he's in uh he's in flight of the concords
2: Mm -hmm. he's in a
1: he's in a bunch of stuff i forget his name though he's in he's
2: in bob's burgers also Oh,
1: yeah that makes sense and
2: he's yeah he's a funny little bit character and then uh i'm sure he would say you should be allowed to watch a little porn at work (laughs) as was shown in this movie (laughs)
1: That that aged like fine wine. That that jerking off in the grocery store office scene after <laughs> I think you Should season <laughs> three came out really really added a retroactive to it.
2: Chef's kiss for those. Yeah, that wasn't a know. jerking
1: off on a monopie. I recognize how that could be confusing.
2: Boy, can it! All right, Denny, you ready to gimmick it up?
1: Boy, am I, Greg? Hell yeah! Gimmick, right, brother. Oh, yeah! The word gimmick is used by wrestlers, like, every two seconds. Like, I could be like, Oh, Greg, are you wearing the headphone gimmicks right now? God damn it, get your microphone gimmick working. That's just how they talk, so... This is an extra special gimmick, is all I'm saying. Well, brother, I'm here to let you present the gimmick that's the cream of the crop. It's one we've all used
2: one time before. It's your favorite, favorite. Denny Taylor. That is your... Real name. What is your favorite favorite for the wrestler?
1: Oh, my God. First of all, that was beautiful. Uh, Um, you know. Cream of the crop. Oh, my God. Solid macho man. And, you know, Matt Lang. It's not a difficult impression to do. (laughs) Brother. A little wrestler, a little pirate. (laughs) You're, uh you're all 90s you're about three lines of cocaine off from having the complete macho man experience oh yeah (laughs) um my favorite favorite uh meaning what is your favorite example of your favorite thing in this movie um i think my favorite thing about wrestling has got to be those entrances and i can't tell you what it's like when the music and the moment hits just right you like i i I talked to greg about uh grado's entrance uh for anyone who listens to the podcast who might know who grado is i told him uh he's a scottish wrestler who uses madonna's like a prayer as their entrance theme and you know there's videos on the internet of of hundreds of people crammed into a building that is definitely too small for them and they're sweaty and they're packed in there like sardines and they are just screaming every single word of madonna's like a prayer while he walks to the ring and if you ask me to like show you one video to convey the appeal of wrestling i would show you that um so my favorite favorite is randy the ram's sweet child of mine entrance right at the end when uh Mm -hmm. randy the performer is talking to pam the person and he's understanding what she understood before which is that randy might have been friends with cassidy but randy and pam would never be friends right like that's that's what he's starting to get And the music's playing, and it's just... It's just wrestling atmosphere magic, Greg. Like, it is such a, like, perfect... I'll put it in wrestling term. Perfect go-home. You know, like, letting us Mm -hmm. know, like, we're in the finish now. We're, you know, like, we're... I'm getting emotional just talking about how I feel here in that entrance theme. So fucking good, man.
2: I'm at a boy. Well, my favorite, favorite... This is a unnecessary detail that I wasn't expecting. You briefly mentioned it earlier, but we go into the Ram's home and he's got a Super Nintendo. Mm -hmm. And I was like, why does he even have that old thing? Oh, I guess he is playing an old wrestling game. He's just playing with one of the neighborhood kids. And then at a certain point, he hits his own finisher in the game. He was... A character in that Super Nintendo game, yeah, I thought it was like a real wrestling game. He is actually doing the match that like we're doing the rematch of at the end of the movie mm-hmm. like i I don't know, I just thought it was so cool, like it was so believable like there're oh the, he's just playing like air quotes here, an old wrestling game, yeah, it doesn't matter what it is, and then he's in the game, you realize what's happening, and you're just like, this is an incredible detail. And it it's why he has the thing in the first place. The kid's talking to him about Call of Duty, and he's like, oh, okay, like a war game? Okay, that sounds kind of cool, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm in this one. Yep.
1: I'm in this k- one.
2: I'm in this one. And the kid's like, this is so old. He's like, yeah, but that's me. Isn't that just as cool as your Call of Duty game? No? Well, that hurts.
1: Yep. <sighs> I love that part. It's a great scene, man. It's a great scene. Very endearing scene, too. Um, What is your favorite line, my Greg work? Well,
2: brother, I only had one. I only had one. It's one of my favorite things about wrestling is the semi-impromptu, but also, like, it's just instant. A crowd chant will come out of nowhere. Maybe it's one you've heard before, like the holy shit, holy shit that they played yeah. in the last match or played that they chanted in the last match mm-hmm. but there's one part we we're talking about um necro butcher yeah. I was going to say something Manser necro butcher his match with the necro butcher he puts a, cr- a trash can over the necro butcher and a guy in a wheelchair says use my leg he pulls off his prosthetic leg and the crowd starts chanting use his leg use his leg use his leg magic movie magic it's perfect it's beautiful
1: i would like you to know that that is a real thing that happens all the time at independent wrestling shows (sighs) it's and it's always awesome
2: and they I always mean, sorry, use the leg. Not
1: not a not a guy with one leg giving a prosthetic leg to a guy. Although that oh. famously has happened on multiple occasions in wrestling. Um, okay, good. People have been beaten with prosthetic legs, but like fans handing a weapon to a wrestler and being like, "Use this," and then like,
2: "Use my chair." Use yeah, yeah. but
1: like people will try to bring ridiculous things, and everyone will get really into it, and then like the good guy wrestler will be like. Why the fuck not? I'll hit him with the cupcake. And then he'll, you know, like, <laughs> or something like that. So um, it, it's, it's a thing. Fan, like, there's even, like, promotions that'll promote a fans bring the weapons match where um, you're just supposed to bring something for the wrestler to hit another wrestler with. And if you're one of the lucky fans, they'll pick you and take your thing and bonk someone with it. <laughs> it's really cool. What would you
2: bring? What would you bring? I'm looking around the room trying to think of what I would take mm. for a use the fans weapon mm. I've got a sturdy vacuum cleaner, but that, like they said in 30 Rock, nothing that could really hurt me. Nothing that plugs in. Uh.
1: I would bring a really obscure wrestling figure that was both a cool reference and something I never wanted to see again. (laughs) So that's, I would have them like, Hmm. uh, I would have them uh, hit each other with like a gobbledygooker figure. If you know who the gobbledygooker is and what a deep cut that was, comment below
2: i i'm looking around all i see is like a leg roller something made for comfort yeah. but i feel like it could be used for pain
1: i'm i'm a brother i would bring one of those flimsy ass baking sheets they hit each other with at the hardware store i'd be like oh, it's fine. gonna make a great sound and it's not gonna hurt at all use this brother
2: <laughs> gonna make a nice bang yeah.
1: <laughs> that's that's what i'm talking about that's pro wrestling baby
2: uh, what's your favorite line?
1: Um, I'll give a runner up uh, when they were talking about how much the '90s suck, and then said, "Then that no. that Cobain pussy had to come and ruin it all." <laughs> so fucking great. Um,
2: I had a note that said, "These guys are '90s haters. Yeah, they're losing me. They
1: are losers." Uh, nah, Pam's not a loser. Randy. No, Randy's- they're lo-
2: they're losing me. Yeah. I oh, okay. like, I disagree. I disagree entirely. Yeah,
1: the '90s fucking rule. Um, it's all I know. Um, I'll go with. Uh, a song song, or a line sung in the credits that I've already alluded to. Uh, if you've ever seen a one trick pony in the field, all happy and free, if you've ever seen a one trick pony, you've seen me. Um, what a perfect end credits song for the movie we just watched. And, like, again, what I was talking about at the beginning, what a, like, the words I didn't have for an experience I was having. You know, like, that song lyric was like, it helped me understand myself i was like oh that's what i'm experiencing i've only ever mm-hmm. been good at one thing and i wish i could still do it huh okay <laughs> you know like it was it was really helpful for me
2: awfully cathartic
1: yeah oh, that's awesome what's your uh all right danny what was uh, what, 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 what was your uh huh? i was gonna ask what? you the same thing
2: no i'm gonna <laughs> ask you first what was your criticer score for The Wrestler?
1: I gave it a 47 out of 50. Some of the highest marks I will give a movie. This is a classic. Um, and, you know, I told you I have a couple nitpicks and I'm realizing now I didn't even get into any of them. So
2: And I forgot to ask about them. Don't worry Shoot.
1: about it, because who gives a fuck? Because obviously... <laughs> They're pretty fucking inconsequential if I didn't get to them so I'll let this whole episode serve as uh, evidence for why I chose 47 out of 50 and uh, for once in my life be the ally of brevity yeah I
2: think my only nitpicks were really with the performance of the daughter character it's not, not great but hey it, this is a fantastic character film with one of the most unbelievable lead performances I've ever seen. Like I I figured he would be good in this one. I didn't realize how good he was going to be in this
1: like Mickey Rourke was not known for his acting before this. (laughs) Like
2: Right. Exactly. And that's why it's just so mind blowing. You're just like all the emotional moments are hitting just as heavy as like the physical performance. I just I praise both equally. Mm -hmm. It's it's so crazy good. I am. I empathize a great deal with like this guy. He's just like a broken man from a world that I just, I don't understand. I don't have any part in. But like, uh, I, I don't really have any familiarity with it, but I still absolutely love it. And that's not easy to do for a movie. And it wasn't until like the last match of the movie, or like the last match, like the final scene of the movie. He's, like, giving his uh, speech into the microphone in the ring. Something about it made me say, oh, yeah, this is a movie. I don't know what it was. It wasn't, like, immersion-breaking. Yeah. But it was, like, this feeling of, like, oh, yeah, shit, this isn't a real audience. Like, they're filming this. These are extras. Yeah. Okay, anyways, and then I was, like, right back into it. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is a great movie that I am going to give a 35 out of 40. Hot
1: damn. Hot damn. High marks from both of us, my friend. High marks from both of us.
2: What can I say? I I I, th- I think it's earned it in spades. So. <sighs> what do you say? I think we've done it.
1: Yeah, I think we've done it. We've reviewed this movie, Greg. We really did it.
2: I'm glad we were able to have you and also... I'm glad I was also able to gush about one of your favorite movies. Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah. It was... It was a really good one. It was a really great watch. I'm happy I finally got to see it and I see especially I can especially see why you like it so much. Hell yeah. Um I was just surprised that I liked it as much as I did.
1: You know, there I've I see just about every wrestling movie that comes out and this is This is like first place in a race where the the gap between first and second is massive. (laughs) You know, like first place by a lot as far as wrestling movies go.
2: (laughs) It's like this and then like maybe ten percent of the way down you got Russell madness, and then you (laughs) got a little bit lower and then Oh, is that incorrect?
1: I, I would say every other wrestling movie that I think is good is a documentary every other wrestling movie than this. This is the only narrative wrestling movie that I even think is good, let alone fantastic. Wait, it, there is Nacho Libre, though. Uh, <laughs> <And> I'm not <laughs> joking. Nacho Libre slaps. I, I walk that back significantly.
2: <laughs> Maybe next time, Danny. Maybe next time. Uh, <laughs> you're ridiculous, man. Wouldn't have it any other Thanks, way. Um, all right. We did it. Is not really another question other than what are we doing next week brother
1: have we decided that i was about to ask you i hoped you knew
2: <laughs> i've got the theme i don't know if we're gonna do this movie next but i've got the theme what's the theme this is this is our first in a while non spooky movie specific theme this is movies for win color is overrated yes. we are going to be covering some black and white films Maybe the audience will have to help us pick one out. It could be new. It could be old. I can—I t- don't know what we're going to do next week specifically, but I can tell you my pick. So what we are doing next week. It is a black and white film, but it is very recent. I believe it's 2015. It is Nebraska starring Bruce Dern, Will Forte, Bob Odenkirk. Oh. Fantastic movie I've seen it once And I loved the hell out of it I can't wait to watch it again And wait to see I can't wait to see What Denny thinks about it
1: I I still remember uh, Your review of it And it made me Very Nebraska curious So I'm looking forward To this next week
2: I think we talked about it Like just briefly When I had just watched Mm -hmm. it So We'll see how I feel About it on a second watch I think I'm going to Like it a lot again It's A lot of scenes Have lived in my head Since then Mm -hmm. And it's been like Nine plus months so i'm looking forward to it Hell yeah. so stay tuned next week for nebraska and by then we'll have denny pick a uh a black and white movie new or old that he feels like bringing to the table for this new theme movies for win color is overrated i'm looking forward to it
1: booyah mine will be old
2: <laughs> yes it will <laughs> Is if it's a horror movie, I won't be shocked and I won't be mad. Okay,
1: because I'm trying to show some restraint, but that won't be mad gives me gives me a little leeway.
2: That <laughs> a boy. All right. Well, you did just get a tattoo of stuff, so you know. I
1: was thinking about that one, Greg.
2: <laughs> all right, Danny. I'm gonna need you to climb to the top rope. I know you recently had a heart attack or a heart episode, but brother, climb up there. Give it your all. It's your signature move, you're slapping your elbow pads, and you're dre- ready to deliver the Denny
1: phrase For Greg work, the- oh you're working the head? Oh you're working the arm? Well then I guess I'll just have to do the leg work, Johnson. I'm Denny, the talent tailor. I feel like that just works as a wrestling name. (laughs) This has been Movies for When. We already told you when. But you know what we didn't tell you? What's my cage match again?